0: To everyone, welcome you here tonight. Trust you come expecting. Got your lamps trimmed, you're all prayed up and ready to receive from the throne of God what He has in store for us. Brother Tim Dodd will be ministering tonight. We're just here to walk on with God, amen. Praise the Lord. I've got to prove I'm one in a million. It's a challenge to accept. It's a faith arriving. been a great thing that's right it was a great Amen. Amen. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. In whom the
1: wisdom of the ages lies. For whom the Die. The lady.
0: have our hope and our trust, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As we go to prayer tonight, maybe we can just sing that little chorus, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Pass me not, O Gentle Savior. Meet our needs, speak to us, answer our questions, deal with our lives. Amen. Brother Mike Craig, could I ask you to come and pray with us tonight? We have one request here from from uh, Brother Glenn Grunert, and he's just asking for a prayer for. His family, his mom's sisters and his brother's family. His brother Len passed away suddenly Sunday night. So he's just asking that we would pray for peace and comfort and that God would use this to heal relationships and bring the family to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We believe that all things are possible. Amen and every one of you who just want to lift our needs up before the throne of grace tonight. God bless you, brother Michael.
2: Amen. If you have a need just lifted before the Lord on your heart, may you by uplifted hand. Heavenly Father, Lord, tonight, Lord, what a tender song that is, Lord. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. Lord, just thinking, Lord, as you would have been walking those dusty roads of Jerusalem, Lord, and the different cities, Bethany, that you would have been in. Lord, many were crying. Lord, surely, Lord, if I I place myself there, Lord, I'd be, Lord, crying out to you, oh, God, don't pass me by.
3: Lord, others are calling upon your name. Others are trying to grab your attention. Others are trying to get to have your head turned to them. And Lord, I'd be one of those. Oh God, don't pass me by tonight, Lord. And Lord, there were those, they would do anything, Lord. As you were passing by, they went to grab the hem of your garment. Lord, they weren't letting you pass by. Regardless, Lord, of the moment, they were taking hold of the master. Lord, tonight, may that be, Lord Jesus, the, the, the drive and desire of your people. That, Lord, we'll get a hold of the master tonight. We'll grab a hold to your garments, Lord Jesus. Do not pass me by. Lord, I have a need in my heart. I have a need in my soul. I have a need in my body. Whatever it is, oh God, tonight is the moment that you're passing by. Lord, on this little humble Wednesday night, the King of Glory is passing by this way. Oh, if we could just grab a hold of that, Lord. You didn't You didn't pass by and, Lord, fade off in the distance and 2,000 years ago, but you went into a grave and then you rose, Lord, on the the third day, Lord, so that you'll pass by this Wednesday. You'll pass by these pews tonight, Lord, by the preaching of your word and in the worship and the atmosphere, oh God. Lord, you know who's in attendance tonight. You know whose souls are found wanting right now, oh God. You know whose bodies are in need. But Lord, we pray, Lord, that you are the healer, you are Jehovah Rapha, you are the Jehovah the old, Jesus Christ of the new. So Lord, we lay hold of you tonight, Lord Jesus, by faith as we sang the song my hope Lord, it's not just a I hope so gospel. This is not just a I hope so, but Lord, it's a faith-driven hope. Lord, we know in whom we have believe it, oh God. As but a or posted a quote today. Lord, it's routine, Lord, for you when we see you move so much and we can have our trust in you for so long. It's routine to see you move, oh God. Not in a not in a negative way, but Lord, our faith can anchor, because our God hears and answers our prayer. So Lord, we call on you tonight, Lord. Go to brother glenn's family lord be that be his god as he's held on to you you all these years and they're in need of you lord lord would you come lord jesus to their family comfort them lord meet the need in the grieving times or the sorrowful times bring the family together oh god lord he's, He's the gruners have put your trust on you year after year after year oh god one more time Pour in this tab, Lord. Oh, Lord, that service was even in balm of Gilead. Pour in the balm, oh God. Lord, into their family, Lord, of these times we pray. Lord, we dedicate this night. We consecrate it to you tonight, Lord. That you would have your perfect will, your perfect way. Take Brother Tim, oh God, as he's laid before you and, Lord, pondered and thought and prayed. What is it, Lord? What's the mind of Christ tonight? What do the sheep need tonight? What are you desiring, oh God? I I know, Lord Jesus, the burden, Lord, that comes, Lord, bring in the word. And, Lord Jesus, take him in your hand, anoint him for service, oh God. And we'll pull, Lord Jesus, out of him. Lord, what we need from the gift you've deposited, we pray. Bless this service yes. in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Brother Mike, you want to make that announcement for young people? You can have your seats.
2: As you're having your seats, Amen. We're just, just quickly that uh, there's young people's on Friday at seven o'clock uh, for all the young people. Um, that's going to be a broad paintbrush. I won't uh, I'm not putting a number there, so I'll just leave it at that. And it's gonna be in the school. Uh at the, on the, in the school in the devotion room. So if you're coming to the church and you come into the doors and there's nobody there, well you'll see cars, but we're over across the way there, all right? So that's seven o'clock tomorrow uh Friday night. We'll have to start our young people's this year and and uh Brother Josué, wanna welcome you tonight. God bless you, Brother David Mayer, Brother Josué Mayor here, all the way from France. <laughs> Amen. Welcome. You've been here for a few days. Amen. Hope you enjoy the last few. It goes by too quick. Just like that. Amen. Amen.
0: God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Michael. Praise the Lord. How many enjoyed the services on Sunday and the weekend on Saturday? Amen. I just wanted to comment and commend on you, and Brother Tom, and really enjoy that service Sunday. And and uh, what really jumped out at me was the beer, uh, the la the, the well. And I've just been pondering that and thinking about that, and and it's just wonderful that thinking about how our God is that great and inexhaustible fountain. And you know, all through the scriptures you read, and there's been... Great events happen at different wells in the scripture. All, all through the Old Testament. And, um, you know, even Brother Branham used that, um, that event that Jesus met a uh, woman at the well. He used that so many times. And I have just believed that it's just speaking to us that we can come to the well. And so with that, I have a song that I've been singing in my heart for a long, long time. We haven't sang that here probably forever. But um, you all know it. I know you do. It's called the Well of Grace. And apparently, Sister Linda and Brother Ken, way back in the day, they sang a quartet. And um, so, help me out. I keep coming back to the Well of Grace. Great is the power, sweet is the taste,
1: whenever temptation. And trials I face, I keep coming back to the well. Oh, I keep coming back to the well of grace. Great is the power, sweet is the taste. Whenever temptation and trials I face, I keep coming back to the Victory, how the joy overflows, no doubt can tell.
0: Glory. I love it. 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 How the Lord Jesus is so faithful. Oh, my. Before we even knew him, he already loved us. And he had already provided for us. What a great well of grace and mercy. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we'll invite Brother Tim to come and, Let's sing this little song. When I think about the Lord, it makes me want to shout hallelujah. Q of F. When I think about the Lord, I'll be saved.
4: And all praise. We give you all oh, glory, Lord. We lift up your holy name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's worthy of all praise. Why don't you just put that slideshow up there quickly for me? I'm not going to give a missions report, I just show you a couple of pictures. In Uganda, they reached, uh, they uh, lifted the restrictions so they could now once again go to church. That means baptisms. Hundreds of baptisms this week. Exceeding 300 that we know about. I say praise be to God. Go ahead. Let's give God the glory. Amen. In different locations. Amen. Different groups being gathered to baptize. Give me that video up there. I'll just play a few seconds of it. You want to hear some rejoicing? I'll take you to Uganda. Lord willing, I'm going to Uganda next week. Remember me in your prayers. You won't be able to understand what he's saying, so don't worry about it. We'll edit it. We just got this today, but I wanted to show you just a little bit of it. Amen. The line goes on and on. This is a three and a half minute video as he's walking down the line, testifying of what God's doing in Uganda. Amen. All they got to do is lift the restrictions a little bit and the people are heading to the waters of baptism. Amen. Many of these people have been in churches most, if not all, of their lives. But they hadn't been taught the truth. Acts 2, that you must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But now the truth has come by their way. And they've forsaken their old systems. And said, we will take the word over our system. Amen. So God is doing marvelous things there in Uganda. And as I already said, Lord willing, we'll be leaving for Uganda next Thursday. Remember us in prayer. I say us because I I will be taking a young man. And uh, so remember, Brother Michael, I told him I'm going to send him out to the hinterlands. And he's going to preach. And so uh, I'm sure he'll be a blessing over there. Amen. And so... uh, we just uh, trust that God will have His way, have some thoughts, and they've been pulling for a long time and seems like the window is open enough that we can uh, make the journey and we trust that God will make it a blessing. So we covet your prayers. Let's take our Bibles and turn together to the book of First Samuel chapter 14. I titled this message tonight, Possessing the Blessings of Heaven. It's kind of a generic title. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it doesn't really describe what's really on my heart, which is uh, recognizing the full blessings that are available. You know, when you recognize the blessings that are available, as we sang that song, it makes me want to shout. You know, it makes us want to rejoice when you realize the time and the season that you are in, because if you're not recognizing of what God has done in this day, that if God has not opened your eyes to that, then you're in danger of approaching God in the wrong way. You see, like the Syrophoenician woman, she approached Him in the wrong way. But when she, when God helped her to see the right approach, then she got her request. And we want to live our lives in the light of the hour that we're living in, not in the light of another day, nor in the message of another day. God sends his message to every age. And we are called to this age, and we are partakers of the message of this age, and it happens to be the last age. And because we're in the last age, we are entitled to the full blessings of God when we recognize what lays available to us. So let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 14, if you have your Bibles open, in verse 24. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people And said, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. And all they of the land came to a wood, and there was honey upon the ground. And when the people were come to the wood, behold, the honey dropped, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath. Wherefore, he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were enlightened. And then answered one of the people and said, Thy father straightly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint. Then said Jonathan, My father... Has troubled the land. See, I pray you, how mine eyes have been enlightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more if haply the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found, for had there not been now a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. Let's just bow our heads together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word is full of truth from beginning to the end, O God. Lord, it's all profitable. It's all for our encouragement, Lord. As we might quote this scripture, it's all for the enlightenment of our eyes. Lord, that we might partake of it and receive strength for the day that we are living in. Lord, as we're gathered together this evening on a Wednesday night, we just want to come together in the right attitude and approach you, Lord, in a way of worship and appreciation for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you are going to do. Not missing any part of it and not being distracted by one part to look to another part, Lord. Father, we just come and commit ourselves into your hands now. You are the word that discerns every thought and intent of every heart. And so, Lord, as the minister stands here, it doesn't matter who the minister is. What matters is the eternal word, Lord. We don't want the words of a man. We want you to come and anoint your book to us afresh, Lord. As that book lays open before us now, we ask that you just come and deliver the power of it into our lives that we might set to flight the armies of the aliens, the enemies, oh God. We pray as we commit it to you now for a few moments on this Wednesday night service in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. may have your seats. I want to just make mention as we as we look at this scripture, um, there's many things happening around the world. There's outstanding things that are happening. I could have mentioned Malawi where where we're receiving testimonies of the pastors receiving the books that are being delivered there. And it's on the latest podcast or the audio report which is on the podcast. You'll hear the testimonies live. We have it up on the website. Also, I could talk about uh, Angola. Brother George is here. Brother George is back from Angola. Why don't you stand up, Brother George? Amen. This has been an instrumental man in what God is doing in Angola. And we thank God for that. Amen. God bless you brother George. And uh uh his his work is taking him to another country. But the but the word has become established and the work has become fruitful. We've got a printing operation working in that country and distributing to many churches. Testimonies are coming in even of Muslims being converted. Muslims coming into the library to take message books. And then being uh, directed to the local churches where they're becoming established in the word. We praise God for that. Ministers of, of large denominational churches coming to the library to get message books. Praise the Lord. You don't know what's going to happen. All you All you do is say, get this message out. Get it into their language, which is Portuguese. And get it into their hands. God does wonderful things. And and we want to uh, do all that he allows us to do now. The message that we have, and I'm going to talk about the message tonight, and I I, I want to bring different uh, aspects of it, if the Lord would allow me. But the message that God sent in this day, which we know is the fulfillment of Revelation 10, seven common scripture to us, but in the days of the voice. Of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound all the mystery of God should be finished. All right. That's 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 a basic scripture to us in this day. As brother Tom said, don't be scared of the book of Revelation. It's our book. You know, these mysteries are finished. They're not something that's there's still a mystery though the mystery has been finished that we might be partakers of the power that comes from the revealed word. And so now, it, this message did not come, although we say the mysteries are finished, the message did not come to give us all the answers. That's not the purpose. The message come to give us Christ. Every message of every age is the preaching of Christ. It all points back to Calvary. The atonement that was made, the price that was paid for a purpose that the sons and daughters of God might come to their position that they always were in the mind of God. We were in his thoughts before the foundation of the world. We were written on the book before the foundation of the world. God knows his own. Amen. You did not seek God. God sought you. He knew you would come in this age. He sent the message for you to quicken you to who you are in the book. And when you see who you are in the book, you see Christ. Because it's our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. I was, I was talking to some, uh, some young men and, uh, how that I was describing how, how the Jews were blinded that that uh, god might gather that christ might take a bride out of the gentiles for himself it's a, a common scripture and i said to these young men uh, i'll i'll maybe look at who uh, who will i look at tonight i don't know uh, i was thinking of having all the married men stand up but that's okay i won't do that uh but you know how many married men were well, looking back now to the time where you were getting your wife How many of you would look back and say, I gladly laid my family aside to get my wife? Come on. How many would say that? If you don't, you're in trouble. I'll tell you what. Because that's what Christ did. He laid his brethren aside. He was a type of, Joseph was a type of Christ, laid aside the brethren that he might get a Gentile bride. He blinded the Jews, the brethren, that he might obtain a Gentile bride. That was the purpose that was in the mind of God. The, the Jews are not the bride. The Gentiles are the bride. The Jews are the brethren. And so he had a purpose in all of that. And so I would say, and I don't really want to single anybody out, but how many in this, uh, in this uh, church that are single, any of you young brothers that are single, that would willingly say, if God gives me a bride, I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. I care what God thinks. All right. It's getting quiet in here. I know That's all right. It gets, gets a little bit, uh, uh, tight at sometimes in the service, but you know, I had, I have some sons that have gotten married and, uh, uh, they were, you know, they were all part of the family, one big, happy, wonderful family. And all of a sudden the right woman comes along. Then all of a sudden it's like, where did they go? Right. You've gone through it with your boys. And, you know, what happened to them? All of a sudden they're they're out visiting. They're out at her house and uh, visiting with their parents and all that kind of thing. The texting starts and all those kind of things happen. Why? Because it's a part of a relationship that is being established. That the bride is more important than the family. Although after the bride comes into place. The family is not disconnected. There's almost like a reconnection to the family. Like there was with the Lord Jesus. A reconnection to his brethren. Or there will be I will say. Once the day of the Gentiles is over. Christ turns back to the Jews. Amen. all right, and, and redeems them. Now the Bible is not. Bible stories. The reason I'm, I'm talking about the Jews just for a moment is because I want to uh, touch, if I can, a little bit on uh, the 70 weeks which I've been pondering lately. But I'll just say that these are, uh, these are written in the Bible for our admonition. When, when, we, when we take a, a story, and it's not a story, it's a prophecy. Their lives were a prophecy in the Bible. A prophecy for us to recognize what God is doing, to recognize God's pattern, to recognize the way God operates, to for God to reveal Himself to us through the Scriptures. Now they as we as we see this, I want to take just a quote here if I can from the uh way back in nineteen fifty-seven in, in an Easter revival in Jeffersonville, Brother Branham says, Everything on earth the beauty the sweetness the beauty of the earth is nothing else in the world but an answer to a far better than that that awaits us when we leave this world for everything in the earth is just a pattern of that which is in heaven everything that's good everything that's righteous Everything that's beautiful, he says. Trees, birds, everything is just a pattern of what's in heaven. That's why you'll see preachers get up and, and and they'll take examples from animal life, they'll take example from the stars, they'll take example from botany life, they'll take example. Why? Because it's a reflection of, of something that's greater. God has, has put his pattern in the earth. And Brother Branham goes on, he says, our own life is just a pattern. It's just a shadow and not the real thing. It's the negative side. But it takes death to develop the picture to put us back in the theophany we come from. Then in the resurrection, we come in his likeness, a resurrected body. He says, what a beautiful, not only beautiful, but it is a real solemn truth of God's eternal word that will be like him. That doesn't thrill your heart. This isn't all there is. This world that we have, this life that we have, the struggles that we have. Brother Ram says in another place, he says, when you see a man struggle for life, when you see someone in the hospital struggling for life, he says, that's just a representation that there's somewhere where there's no struggle for life. Amen. when you see a tree suffering or an animal dying or something, he says, that's just reflecting that where there's a land where the trees never die. There's a land where the animals are never dead. You know, all of those things, there's a land where it's just life eternal. There's a land of the greatness of the power of God and all of his economy. Now, in the scripture that we read, we, we narrow it down now to Israel, is a certain time in their economy, or a certain time in their in their walk with God, they're, they're, they're living as far as Israelites in the day. They're, they know the circumstances that are around them. There's enemies, there's battles, there's there's troubles. God promised them the land. But their struggles to possess the land. But if they really knew where they were living, they were right on the verge of full possession of the land. Alright? Because, you know, God has, has put Israel in a, uh, in a certain cycle. And I want to say it this way. Uh, Israel went into the land under Joshua... And that was a culmination of a promise. But in the time of Daniel, and maybe I'm jumping around a little bit, I knew I would be. And I, I struggled to get my thoughts in order today, but uh, we just trust the Lord will make a blessing to you. Are you still with me tonight? All right. I know it's Wednesday night, and so I'll, I won't keep you long. But, you know, when the angel spoke to Daniel, I think in chapter 9, and said to Daniel after he had prayed for understanding and the angel Gabriel came and and uh, said, you know, I was delayed. and But the angel Michael came to help me and I got through now. And I think it was 21 days and they got through. Then And uh, he says, I've come to give you understanding. And he says, he's given him understanding about his people Israel. He says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. "...to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy." Now, we're not preaching on Daniel's 70 weeks here, but, uh, but what I want to bring your attention to is Daniel has prayed for understanding, and now the angel is saying, I've come to share with you, there's a lot that you don't understand." I've come to share with you, and this is a prophet of God. This is a man that sees visions. This is a man who God gives answers to. And now he's come to give Daniel the message for Israel. That he might share with them exactly what they need to know. And the first thing he says is, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. Now, I just want to take that for a moment. God deals with Israel in a cycle. And if you actually go back throughout the, all the way back to the time of Abraham, you find the 70 weeks repeating itself, which is 70 weeks in the Bible refers to each week was seven days, which each day represented a year. So 70 weeks represented 490 years, okay? So now if we go back to the time of Abraham and start there in God's dealing with Abraham, then from Abraham to the time of the Exodus is about 70 weeks from the time of the Exodus to David is 70 weeks. All right, and from the time of David to captivity or Babylon is 70 weeks, and then the angels explaining now from the time of the the order to restore the temple, which is the going out of captivity to the time of the Messiah is 70 weeks. All right? You with me so far? All right? So I'm just showing you a cycle here that takes place because it points out certain events in their history in their in their walk with God, in their experience, that are very important events. We know God calling Abraham out of Ur was a great event. Because not only was Israel tied there, we're tied there. Amen? And so it's God's grace covenant with Abraham that becomes established for his redemptive purpose, both in Israel and in the Gentiles. And now, as, uh, let me just read it the way that Brother Branham talks about the grace covenant. I love reading about, I love listening to, I love uh, the greatness of God's unconditional covenant with Abraham. And so he, as he shares it with Abraham, l- let me just read it the way Brother Branham says it. He says, Abraham, I just love to speak of Abraham because it was Abraham to whom the covenant was made. The promise was made to Abraham and not only to Abraham, but to his seed after him, not to his seeds, but because he had many sons, but only to one seed, which came through Isaac through Isaac came Christ. And we being dead in Christ, take on Abraham's seed and are heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're identified in Abraham's covenant because it's not seed natural, it's a seed which is Christ and all who are in Christ become Abraham's seed by faith. He says, you have Abraham's seed when you have the Holy Ghost. That's right. It was through that promise. And now the promise wasn't made or give to you by your own goodness. It was God's election. And calling that brought you to it. Can you say amen to that? It's God's election and calling that brought you to it. Nothing you ever done to merit it. You never sought after God. God sought after you. And give it to you on the basis of sovereign grace. Nothing in the world that you could do. Nothing you could do about it. Why is there nothing we could do about it? Because my name was already written there. It was written there before I was born. So it has nothing to do with what I did or didn't do here. And rather what I do or do not do here is, is based on the eternal calling. The deep calling and the deep responding that leads me to his righteousness. Amen. It's God's election and predestination to the believer. And because God knows all things. And his foreknowledge leads us into these things. Another place, Brother Branham also refers to it. He says, I believe God sets, sets examples. He saved Abraham unconditional. He made a covenant with man, and man always breaks his covenants. But man has always tried to find some way to save himself. Try to save himself. You, you know, when you, see, when you hear people uh, talk about, well, I believe God is a good God. He's trying to save himself. Well, I believe that God thinks... Listen, it doesn't matter what we believe. God is God. And His work is sovereign. And His covenant is unconditional. And He wrote every name on the book of life before the foundation of the world. Can you say amen to that? All right. So He says... It comes from a strain in the Garden of Eden when man realized that he had sinned. He tried to make himself a religion, a covering. And the word religion means covering. And Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a religion. And since then, it's been a strain of man down through the age trying to do something to save himself. You might be here tonight unsaved. I don't know. I haven't looked throughout the congregation to see if we got any visitors. I'm sure there's visitors here. But but nevertheless, you, you might be saved. You might not be saved. Young people, you might not be saved. It's not based on you trying to get saved. It's based on God sending his word to you and quickening you by his word. Listen, people can pray for you, and we do pray for people. We do pray for God by His Spirit to move upon people, and He does that. But if the Spirit moving upon them does not quicken His Word within them, it's not salvation. Salvation is sovereignly the territory of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord, the Scripture says. But he hears the prayers of his people that says, Lord, deal with my son. Lord, deal with my daughter. Lord, deal. I believe they're part of you. I believe they're yours, Lord. That might be revealed to you, but it still takes God. It's not us. I I don't want to say this in the wrong way. We can't pray anybody in, but we can pray them into an atmosphere. And in that atmosphere, God will quicken them. And make them alive. And quicken his word to them. And then it's eternal. Because once that seed is quickened. I think brother Michael preached on it. Sealed until the day of your redemption. It's a quickening not just for a season. But you're sealed until the day of your redemption. It's over. It's a finished work. It's a sealing of God. Hallelujah. We love that. But man has tried. So, Brother Bram says, the straight of man down through the age trying to do something to save himself. But you're saved by grace, election. God's foreknowledge, predestination, foreordination. Those are, you know, those are words that people don't like in in this age. You know, there's a lot of nobody's going to tell me what to do in this age. Nobody's going to tell me whether I'm in or I'm not in. I'm going to come in if I want to come in. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. You're going to come in because God called you. You're going to come in because He knew you before the foundation of the world. You were in His thoughts. And I love I love that. Somebody brought it up recently. I love the fact that in His thoughts, the morning stars sang together. And the sons of God shouted for joy. What was he talking about there? He's talking about those that come to the revelation or the quickening of the word within them to show them that they're in Christ. It creates a shouting. Amen. It creates a rejoicing. When you see yourself in Jesus Christ, you have something to shout about. When you see yourself in the land, you have something to shout about. When you see yourself possessing, it's a great victory. Hallelujah. It's a rejoicing. So Brother Random says, Paul tells the church at Ephesus that God predestinated us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Think of it. Predestinated us in Christ before the foundation of the world. What are we worried about then? Get away from the worry. We're just the happiest creatures you could ever see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All you got to do is say, the word came by my way and quickened me. I can't get away from it. You could, you know, uh, that's why Brother Murphy tells the story of the brother in prison. And and they're not allowed Bibles and certainly not allowed any message material or anything like that. They're just in prison by themselves. But the, bro- the word was quickened in the brother. And he's standing in a line uh, going back from the work that they're doing. And a man in front of him, he doesn't know him, but he's standing like this with his hands behind his back. And the man looks at him and he's got a book in his hands. And the cover of the book says, Holy Bible. And he just starts to weep. Why? Because he has been quickened to that word. That is my everything. You take the Bible away from him, take the message away from him, take the church away from him. All he has to see is the cover of a Bible. Hallelujah. He begins, something begins to move his emotions. That's what my whole life is about, is that word. It doesn't matter how long you separated him from fellowship. doesn't matter how long you separated him from the word. doesn't matter how long you separated him from anything. All he had to see was Holy Bible. Hallelujah. Something began to rejoice. Something began to move him. Oh, that's my everything. He had been sealed to the day of his redemption. Hallelujah. So Brother Bram says, get away from the worry. We're just the happiest creatures you could ever see. My, how can you believe that and keep from being happy? It's an unconditional covenant. Your name was written in the land's book of life before the foundation of the world. It's not based on what you did or didn't do. It's not based on your mistakes or not mistakes. It's not, mis- it's not based on the fact that you were good today. Or it's not based on the fact that, that you came here in condemnation saying, I made a mistake and I'm so sorry, Lord, that I made a mistake today. and I said something wrong or did something wrong. But Lord, I'm here to say, I'm yours, oh God. Because your name was written before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. It's a rejoicing. It's a happiness. that It's a peace that passes all understanding, as the Scripture says. So there's the time of Abraham. Now, if we take that 70-week that cycle, if we take that almost 500-year cycle, that takes us then to the time of the Exodus. All right? takes us to the time of the journey. Where God calls Israel out of Egypt by Moses. And and first God had to get Egypt out of Moses. Let me say it that way. God had to prepare the deliverer. And it wasn't just the fact that they were in the time. God uses men. I'm sorry if that offends you. But that's the truth. That's the reason we're here. He makes man a part of his redemptive work. And so God had, had called Moses. He had he had birthed him into a family. He had protected him. He had put him in Pharaoh's house. But there came a time for Moses that when he looked out over, over e- Egypt from Pharaoh's house, It says, the Bible says, by faith, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Hello, sons of God. Hello, daughters of God. He chose by faith. He was quickened. He esteemed, the Bible says, the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Egypt represents the world. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. He esteemed the negativity that comes with being, we'll call it a Christian. That comes with being a servant of God. That comes with recognizing your part in the economy of God. That the world despises. He esteemed that of more value than everything he could have had in Egypt. And we can spend a lot of time talking about Moses, but he, he, it, it was quickened to him that that was greater. And it says, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of God, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible or who is invisible. In other words, there's something happening. Moses doesn't necessarily understand it at that time, but there's something happening and he's quickened to the fact that this is more real. Than being a part of the greatest economy in the world. Are you with me? This is more real than my position of great wealth. And great power. And great opportunity. That what I see, which is invisible to the world. But what I see is of greater value. Listen, folks, if, if we haven't come to recognize, and I hope that we have, and I'm preaching to believers here tonight. But I hope that you have recognized what you have in your hands by this message is of greater value than anything that the world has to offer. And if that's not real to you, you don't understand the message. If that's not real to you, you're missing out. You say, well, I'm pursuing this, or I'm pursuing that, or I'm going to be this, or I'm going to be that. You might be something in this world. But even if you attain the greatest position in this world, you will have missed out on your greatest opportunity. It all lays in the revealed word. This world will pass away, and very soon. This world will fail, and very soon. This place will burn and very soon. It will be given over to total destruction and that very soon. But there is a people that have been called by a message that will be raptured out of this world. Before the first bomb falls, she'll be taken out of here. And she's going to something that she is now in possession of. We are in possession of it now, though we might not be there, but it is our possession. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm saying it in this reason because Moses, as he, as he was catching this, he maybe didn't see at the beginning. Well, he recognized that he was the deliverer because it was preached to him from a child. But he didn't maybe recognize what all that meant. And you might come to the realization, well, I'm a believer. Well, God has quickened his word to me that I, as these people you saw in the video, I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I need to walk in obedience to the Word. But you might not know what obedience to the Word opens to you. Full obedience to the Word of God, of course, entitles you to the token. But full obedience to the Word of God brings you in line for the full blessing of God. Hallelujah. Now... I think my watch is wrong. It can't be quarter to nine. That's impossible. Where did the last half hour go? I'm sorry. I I got lost in eternity there. My goodness. (laughs) All right. So Moses come to this place. I'm going to have to skip over, obviously, some things here. And Moses come to this real... But that was the season now of the journey... That was the season now of the Exodus, and and I'm saying this now because I want you to see something. Moses realized it, and I'm part of it. Brother Tom preached on the Exodus in the Harvest on Sunday, and we rejoiced in that. And it, you know, Moses, he's realizing I'm in an Exodus here. But the what was the Exodus? It was the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. Is that right? What was the promise to Abraham? I give your children this land. Look to the north, south, east, and west. Your children will possess this land. And Moses began to preach to them. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's, it's a land where, where there are many blessings. And it operates differently. And I've already touched on this. But it's a different type of blessing than what you had in Egypt. It's a different type of blessing than what you have in the world. All right. The world is by your own labor. Egypt, he said, you watered the land by your own feet. But the promised land, I water it from heaven according to your walk with me. And Moses began to lay that word in as he was the lawgiver and began to lay that word in with the people. This is a land of promise. This is a land of possession. This is a land of your inheritance. We will go in and possess the land. And then we know God took Moses off the scene and took Israel in by Joshua. And they go in and possess the land. And I'll just summarize it quickly and say how that God dealt with Joshua. And Joshua stood up in his elderly years and he says, now we've come into the land But there remains much land to possess. Or in other words, there remains many blessings you're not in possession of yet. But you're in the land. You've crossed over Jordan, which represented the new birth. You've come into the land... But there's much more that God has for you. If you'll just serve God, if you'll just be serious with God and you'll just watch over him. And then somebody recently preached on Gideon and showed how that they had they had uh, lived good and then they had not lived so good. And so the enemies came in to afflict them. And then they, they, God sent a deliverer, and then God, and then they lived good with God for a season, and then they lived poorly. But there was coming a season. What was the season from the time of the Exodus? It's now another seventy weeks, and that is the time now of David and Solomon, where God is going to bring Israel to the full possession of the land. And the full blessing that laid in there, because in Solomon he was going to represent Christ to show that under the reign of Solomon they were going to have like a millennium. Peace on every hand. Nobody at war with them. Possessing the land, the great mind of God revealed through a gift. And now they just lay hold of all of their possession. That was to come. Now I said all that to say this. Saul was almost there in the time of Saul. They were almost come to that cycle. They were almost come to that place. But Saul now was, was looking at, at, at his own little battles that he was going through. And so many of us get clouded by that. Oh, Lord, help me to drive this home. We get clouded, we get, we get weighted down, might be a better word, by the struggle we're having this week. Amen? By the struggle we're having at this stage of life. By the struggle that we're having, doesn't matter whether you're a teenager, you're going through teenage struggles. How many of you older people been there? Some of you don't remember. All right. But we all went through those teenage battles. And it's a battle. It's a battle. But your name's written on the book. Hallelujah. You'll make it through the battle. Because God has a cycle for your life. And he's bringing you into the full inheritance. It's a struggle. You might say, well, you might just be, be married and maybe you're going through the struggles of early married life and, and the early parts of financial instability and the struggles to make ends meet and, and, and the different struggles that come with early married life. Don't worry, you'll make it. God has the answers because he's got the full blessing for you. Or if we can realize we are in, as Brother Tom said, the time of harvest. The time of harvest is the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is the Feast of Rejoicing. The Feast of Tabernacles is rejoicing over what God has given you. And God has taken us out of Egypt and put us in the land. Not only that, we've come to the end of seven church ages. Or we've come to the end of the cycle where the fullness of the blessing is upon the bride of Jesus Christ. It's laying right there in the Word. It's available to you. It's not something you gotta, you know, Saul thought it was still struggle. Fast, pray, fast. I gotta go back to that quote, which you find in recognizing your day and its message. Listen, if you want to study it, I was sharing this with some brothers, I said, now go to Feast of Trumpets, where Brother Branham lays out the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles. And then in the, fe- the next week he lays out the, the recognizing your day in his message. And it's in there that he says they don't recognize the awakening of the bride. See, they're looking at it. Oh, we're going to have a victory. We're going to have a revival. I want to tell you something. The bride is having a revival. It's not we're going to have. We are having and it's not about numbers. It's not about, oh, well, you know, revival is great. No, Brother Bram says when there's a revival, it's like the wind on the, on the water. It washes all the trash to the shore. Amen. That's what God's doing. He's cleaning out His church. He's quickening our lives. He's bringing us closer to Him. He's revealing Himself for the fullness of the blessing lays in the land. There was old Saul... Which represented denominational ideas, trying to tell the people, listen, don't eat, just fast. Cause if we're gonna conquer the enemy, we gotta be serious and we gotta fast, and we gotta do this. But along comes Jonathan who didn't hear that and he's walking in the land and it's a land, Moses said, flowing with what? Milk. milk and honey. So milk and honey was part of their inheritance. So the honey had fallen and there was Jonathan saying, well, that's part of my inheritance. And he just stuck his rod in there. He lifted it up, took the honey, put it in his mouth. Oh, that's exactly what I needed. I'll tell you what, this word of God is sweet as honey in the mouth of every believer. Feed on the word, stay in the word, listen to the word, read the word. Amen. Be in the attitude of the word all the time. It's sweet as honey. It will enlighten your eyes. It'll give you strength for the battle. It'll give you. Oh, Jonathan says there. Oh, listen, let me tell you something. Oh, if if my dad, it was his dad. If my dad had just, you know, uh, thought about things. Now, Jonathan didn't know they were at the end of that cycle. See, it wasn't revealed till Daniel's time of this cycle. But they're coming to another 500 years or 490 years. They're coming to another place. And in this place, God brings Israel to the full possession of the inheritance. But something in Jonathan was speaking to him. Because he was of that generation that would go into the full inheritance, even though Jonathan's life himself would be cut short. But he was friend to David. Is that right? He was of the same generation. And that was the generation that would bring Israel to the full blessing. And so Jonathan had a different attitude. That's why he could go in the battle against his enemy and says, listen, if God's for us, we're able to win the battle. As Paul says, if God be for us, who can be against us? For whom he did, for no, he did predestinate. Whom he predestinated, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he's already glorified. Paul says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for this bride, you and me, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Do I need to lay it out for us? No vaccine can be against us. No COVID can be against us. No government rules can be against us. No man's ideas can be against us. No enemy can be against us. It doesn't matter. The devil has designs. But if God is for us, then who can be against us? And if God isn't for us, we might as well give up. Might as well eat, drink and be merry and all go home and tomorrow we die. So I asked you this morning, is God for you? That was pretty half-hearted. Is God for you? Amen. If God is for you, who can be against you? He sent his word. He sent a prophet. Sorry, this is just an exhortation tonight. But he sent the power to bring the bride to the full blessing of the Lamb's book of life. To let you know. And it's been preached. Service after service. Service after The devil's under your feet. There's nothing the devil can do about it. You hear these brothers with their gifts. And I'm just one of them. And it's just every gift. Just re-edit, restating the same thing over and over. You are the one that God sent the message for. You are the message to be manifested in flesh. You are the one that's to take the book and eat the book. And when you eat the book, what is it? It's sweet in your mouth. Hallelujah! It's like honey. And you can partake of it in your life and say, oh, my eyes have been enlightened. Oh, but brother Tim, there's some bitterness. Yeah, it'll be bitter in your belly. There's bitter that bitterness that goes with it. But that comes from the world. Amen. There was bitterness for Israel coming out of Egypt as they went by and they experienced the waters of Mara. But when you throw the hyssop into the waters, the waters become sweet. And the hyssop represented faith in Calvary. And when you just keep to that faith in Calvary, God will take your bitterness and turn it to sweetness. Because even I'll go back to the first quote, Brother Branham says, All the sweet things of the world just represent what's waiting for us on the other side. There's sweetness over there. There's sweetness here. It's just a type. So under David, Israel comes into full possession. Did you know that? Maybe you didn't know that. The, even the city Jerusalem, representing the bride, was in the hand of the Jebusites until the time of David. They, lived, they, they were in the promised land, but they hadn't possessed it all. See, they hadn't come to possess Jerusalem, which represented bride. But after 490 years or 70 weeks, they come to that position. The church never fully realized what bride was until this age. After seven church ages, they'll come forth a bride age. Amen. They'll come forth another Ephesian age. To show her the full potential. So it took David conquering Jerusalem to bring the full potentials that laid in the promised land. Because Jerusalem was in the promised land. The bride was always in the word. But in this hour, Ruth had to be revealed. In this hour, Esther had to be revealed. In this hour, the type of the church as the bride of Jesus Christ. The invisible union between the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. Now it had to be revealed. Why? Because there was a potential always laying in the word. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound. At the end of the seventh church age, this people will enter into the full revelation of what God had in his mind in redemption. And then we can walk by the revelation, I'm bride. It doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter how my day is going, I'm bride. It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. I'm part of the elect. It doesn't matter if it looks bad. It doesn't matter if every event looks like it's gathered against me. Oh, it'll be more of a miracle today than it ever was. Hallelujah. God is the one that is orchestrating my life. It was an undeniable cycle in Israel. You couldn't get away from it. Brother Brown says it this way when old Saul, the old, big old denominational preacher down there that time, you know, he got head and shoulders above them all and was afraid. He didn't know nothing about the supernatural. But David had come, had to come and deliver the lamb out of the lion's mouth and kill Goliath. What was David representing? He's not of that old generation. He's of a people that will come to full inheritance. He's of a people that will come to full possession. Did he understand it? No. It was just something that was moving in him. When you first believed the message, you didn't understand it. The first time that you came to the altar. You didn't understand it. All you knew is the Holy Spirit was dealing with you. Calling you. Making you move. Excuse me. Making you move in a certain direction. And you you maybe still don't understand it all. But God's moving you. Because he's ordained you. Hallelujah. I love that. He's predestinated you to possess the land. He's... Called you to lay hold of all the promises. I'm called to possess the promises. It might seem like a struggle sometimes. But rest in him. It's not in our strength. Saul tried to make it in his own strength. Saul tried to make it fast, pray, fast, pray. And listen, there's nothing wrong with fasting. There's nothing wrong with praying. And we thank God for the prayers. And we thank God for the fasters. And we should all pray. And we should all fast. When God puts a fast on you. All right. I don't want to get into that tonight, but nevertheless, in all of that, that's not what does it. It's God has brought about the time of the bride. What we call it, brother Bram, called it a bride age. All right. He says another place, he says, now, if we who are acquainted with the supernatural, would we'll just take a man where the man in his senses is limited to his senses, but a man and his spirit is unlimited. It says, The tree of knowledge can only climb so far and it breaks back, but the tree of life goes on forever. All right? So he's typing the tree of knowledge, the tree of life, or showing the tree of life and the tree of knowledge here. He says, Now, the tree of knowledge, which is what? Egypt, the world, the tree of knowledge, and all of its economy and all of its technology and all of its science is limited. But the tree of life is unlimited. All right? tree of knowledge can only climb so far and it breaks back, but the tree of life goes on forever. And how that science has taken man farther with his five senses then we have with his soul, this is 1953, he says, well, we've got untapped resources where all things are possible. If you can only see yourself as far as the tree of knowledge will take you, you've got untapped resources. Because the tree of life goes on forever. There's no stopping to it. All things are possible to them that believe. They saw things when they possessed the full inheritance under Solomon that they never expected that they would ever see. By the gift that God put amongst them, and the peace with every neighbor and all of the world sending their gifts to Solomon and the great uh, uh knowledge of God the great understanding of the mind of Christ that was revealed through Solomon and 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 the whole world now became centered in the whole the whole of this entire uh terrestrial place that we dwell on became to realize there's something happening in Israel it's, it's the greatest king you've ever seen. And the nation of Israel was the recipient of it. But as Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here. If that created that for a nation, this will create the revelation of Jesus Christ. This will create the realization of untapped resources for the bride of Jesus Christ. But there's another cycle that Israel came to that I believe we're not called to, but I'm just going to touch on it. And that was the cycle of captivity, another 490 years. And they had gone through their kings, and they had made their mistakes, and they had turned away from God. And they would compromised on the word of God, and they had allowed the world to creep in. I was going to actually talk on just this part tonight and, and how that, you know, when you allow the world to come in, it gives the devil a right to attack you. Do you realize that? Because the devil is a tormentor. That's his job. And the reason it's his job to torment is not to take you away from God, but it's to drive you back to God. See, when Israel received affliction from the surrounding nations, that caused them to fall on their face before God. Is that right? Why? Because they were gods. And so, because they belong to God is what I'm saying. And so they, as they belong to God, God, according to his word, he said, if you're disobedient, I'm going to send those to afflict you. Until finally it came to its pinnacle of their disobedience In the time of Babylon. And now another cycle had reached its peak. And that was the cycle. I'll just call it this. This is my own words. The cycle of disobedience. But you know what? God never forgets his children. I'm so glad for the grace of God. I'm so glad it's not based on my obedience. Although my obedience opens the blessings. But yet it's not based, my election is not based on my obedience. And so the election was always there. And, and and no matter what, you know, as Brother Branham says, you know, if I was, you know, going overseas and I talked to my wife and I said, you know, uh, when I go overseas, don't you dare look at a man. Don't you dare, you know, spend time with another man or anything like that. He says, because if you do, you're a divorced woman when I get home and, and, and she takes him. He says, can you imagine she took me and said the same thing? Mr. Branham, don't you dare look at another woman or, or so much as wink at another woman or whatever more, because if you do, when you get home, you're divorced. He said, wouldn't that be a marriage? He said, that'd be terrible. What a relationship that they're threatening each other when they're going away from each other. He says, but that's not what it is. Now he says, I believe if I did something wrong, that she would forgive me. He says, but I wouldn't want to do it because I love her. Hallelujah. And we love him because he first loved us. It's not that we say, oh, well, we're elected. We can do whatever we want. That's not it at all. I don't want to make a single mistake in my life. But when I make a mistake, I know he's right there to convict me. He's right there to tell me, you've done wrong. He's right there to tell me, you need to get back. And I, and I quickly, because I'm part of him, I quickly say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean to do it like that. And I'm sorry. And please, and it, it might cause repentance. It might cause fasting. It might cause a lot of prayer. It might cause a lot of things. You know, even as it did, as Brother Brownham explained in his own life, just little things. Can cause you to feel so grieved in the presence of God. Why? Because we're a part of him. Not because we're scared of losing our position. Not because we're scared he's going to write us off and put us away. That's not it. Even though he put Israel away for, his, for a season. He's coming back to them very soon. To redeem them in the tribulation time. The 144,000. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm over time. The church went through the seven church ages. And the problem that happened with the church of going into the dark ages. And and becoming, uh, the bride tree becoming eaten down as the scripture says. Was because of one thing. He says they lost their first love. That's all. Stay with the first love. Stay in love with Jesus Christ. One thing will make you love him more. Stay in the word. The more you're in the word, you can't help but love Christ. Because the word is him revealed. And you can't, you know, we could say the word is him, but sometimes people don't understand that statement. And and they don't understand the statement, the word bled for you because it was the word that became flesh. And the word went to Calvary and the word bled for you. And the word was put on the page so that when you read that page, you're not just reading about the word, you're reading the word. You're you're receiving the life of the word. You're being quickened by faith, for faith comes by hearing the word, and it creates a love within you because you have been quickened by the word. And the Holy Ghost in the believer feeds on the word of God. And Brother Branham says in the Church Age book, and I just go through this and then we'll close. He says it has become it had become relaxed. About in the Ephesian Age, already the age was backsliding. It had left its first love. The tiny seed planted in that Ephesus age would one day grow in the spirit of error until all the foul birds of the air would roost in its branches. He's talking about the error that was sown in the church as they left their first love for the word of God that allowed error to take root. Don't relax. Don't let the devil plant an error in your life. It's been ministered on a lot lately. Because if you allow your love for the word to wane and begin to take on other thoughts and other spirits and other ideas and other things that sound enticing and other entertainments and other things, quickly, that's what the devil wants. Because now he has an avenue into your life, just like he had an avenue into the church. As they relaxed, he says. And that grew into the most offensive mystery Babylon in the book of Revelation. He says, so inoffensive to human reasoning that that little plant would appear to the new Eve, the new church. That again she would be deceived by Satan. The Ephesian age had represented to her the opportunity for God's best. Let me read that again. The Ephesian age had presented to her... The opportunity for God's best. And for a while she prevailed. And then relaxed. And in the unguarded moment, Satan planted the seed of complete ruination. And the church went into the ground. But God said, I will restore. And God said, there will be another Ephesian age. There'll be another people that come to the maturity of the word. They'll come to a people that recognize that this has brought the church fully out of man's ideas, creeds, and dogmas of man. And I am a part of it. I am quickened by it. Oh, my goodness. I just should read just a little bit further here. Brother Bram says, a few moments ago I mentioned that John understood what it was to love God. That great apostle of love. That would, cert, would certainly see it when the church began to lose that first love of God. Don't be in love with Cloverdale, by the way. Be in love with God. I think I speak for every minister here. When I say, we don't want you to just love us. We want you to love us. Don't get us wrong. But we want you to love Christ. We're not standing up here so you hate us. Lord, have mercy on us. If that happens. But you know, we're we're trying to drive you to Him. If you love Him, it doesn't matter if time goes on. And I fall by the wayside. I'm not talking about in sin. But if God takes me off the scene. Or God takes somebody else off the scene. It doesn't matter anymore. Because we're not in love with a man here. We're in love with Christ. I started a church up in Dawson Creek. It became the church in Grand Prairie. Grounded the people in the word for one reason. Not knowing that there would be a time that I would leave there. But the church would go on. Because they weren't in love with a man. They were in love with Jesus Christ. They didn't know that Brother Tim would ever be called away to do something else. But yet God saw to it that he allowed me to ground them in the word of God. To take them to the fullness of the realization of who they are in Christ. That no matter what happened, oh, there might be one drift away this way and one drift away that way. That always happens. But yet in the midst of it all, the group goes on. The pastor that God anoints, he leads them on. The deacons go on. The song leader goes on. Why does that happen? Because they're not in love with a the man. They're in love with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Things are going to happen. Things are going to take place. Things that we won't understand as I've already preached. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. There'll be all kinds of things that take place. There'll even be things right within the ranks of the message. And I'm not preaching negativity. There'll be things that don't seem right. But when you're rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, when you're walking with him, in love with him, in love with the word of God, we should stay in love with Christ, which is to stay in love with the message for the message is the mystery of Christ revealed. When you're walking in that light, you can't help but let everything else fall by the wayside. Though a thousand fall at my right hand and ten thousand at my left hand, it won't affect you. It won't come nigh unto you. Why? Because you're in love with Him. And if God be for us, oh my, who can be against us? Hallelujah. He says, "This great apostle of love." Would certainly see that the church began to lose its love of God. For this is the love of God, he writes, that we keep his commandments. 1 John 5 and 3. One little deviation from that word was a step away from Christ. People say they love God. They go to church. They even shout and rejoice and sing and have a great emotional time. But when it's all over, watch and see if they are in that word. I love rejoicing. I love singing, I love shouting, I love praising God, I love all of those things, but when that all dies down, are you in the Word? Brother Branham says, he says, are they in the Word, walking in it, living in it? If they go through all the other and they don't walk in that Word, they can say they love God, but their lives tell another story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the end of the last message that Brother Branham preaches, as the musicians come, let's let's start to close the service here. Musicians, please come. He says in the message leadership, he says, Oh, think today that hearts are becoming stony, filled with the world, indifferent church members, lukewarm, like that rich young ruler, and don't know That the great Holy Spirit is standing, knocking at the door of this Laodicean age. Now, I want to say that to say this. Don't become hardened even. Now, listen, I want to just say this exactly right, if the Lord will help me. We love the Word. We are here because of the word being revealed to us. You've come to church to receive more of the word. I recognize that. And so we have not come to play church. We have not come just to hear a thought, even though we pray that the thought of God comes across the pulpit and, and, and drives a flame of fire right into our souls. That's our desire in every service. May God anoint the minister to just rekindle the flame within our soul because we love. And what is the rekindling of the flame? It's a rekindling of the love relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not fanaticism. It's not, um, what is the word, puritanism. It's not some kind of, of fanatical holiness. It's love with Jesus Christ. We believe in holiness. We believe in all those things. But it's all based on being in love with him. Yes. Brother Brown makes a statement in this quote. I just want to read it. It just blew my mind when I read it. I'm sure I've read it before. But when I read it yesterday, it just, I don't know, blowing my mind is the right way. But he says, And the Spirit speaking through this brother a few moments ago, I'll take that stony heart out of you and give you a heart of flesh tender towards God. Then he says, Look at how it's become now. And this is a warning now. (laughs) This statement, you won't figure it out. I can't figure it out. He says, Just an intellectual emotion. Now think about that for a moment. Because you'll find some that say it's too emotional. And you'll find some that say it's too intellectual. But a prophet of God calls it an intellectual emotion. That blew me away. It's like, okay, that does away with all emotion versus intellect. You know, all that kind of argument. He says, the church just becomes an intellectual emotion, or in other words, an emotion based only on understanding and not on relationship. I can understand that I'm married to my wife. She stepped out with the baby, I see. She's not sitting there right now. She's out in the nursery with the baby. I can be in love with her. I can understand that I'm married to her. I can understand that, that I have certain obligations as a husband. And I have a certain position. And she can understand, likewise, she has a certain position. But nothing fulfills a marriage like love. You can have agreements, you can have vows, you can have teaching, you can have marriage seminars, you can have all kinds of things, but nothing overcomes problems in a marriage like love. And nothing overcomes problems between the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride than remembering your first love and being in love with him. Amen. Let's stand together. I'll leave it there was that song i was thinking of all my life you have been faithful i just love that song we've been singing it lately can you sing that with revelation tonight lord all my life you have been faithful all of my zigs and zags all of my times when i didn't know whether i was up or down or what what was going on in my life and things didn't look very good but lord you've been faithful you saw me through When I saw this happen in my life and I look back at it now, you were there. Lord, when I went through this trial, you were there. Lord, when I went through that circumstance, you were there. And I believe, Lord, in what I'm going through today, you are here. I believe, Lord, that you're for me. And therefore, what can be against me? Do we have the words for that? All my life, you have been faithful.
1: And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will of the goodness of God. Sing the chorus once again.
4: After you he says, I brought this message for you. This is my truth for you to give you full possession. This bride's not ordained to fall. This bride is ordained to take a rapture. He's running after us. Hallelujah. He is faithful. He will fulfill his word. I was reading in a place. Brother Branham's in a prayer line while our heads are bowed. He says, "You get yes, you got somebody on your heart. And it's somebody. It's somebody that's been a Christian. He says, you're the mother of a dope addict girl that was healed of dope. Healed of dope taking in my meetings. Her name is Helena. She was a dancer or something like that. And the girl, that girl is getting weak, getting away from God. And she's on your heart to pray for her. That's thus saith the Lord. He said, that is true. All right, come here. In the name of Jesus Christ, bring that child back. And heal this mother. For the glory of God Amen don't you doubt it will be alright Father Lord I just believe it will be alright like it was for this mother you cared enough to reveal to your prophet her sickness but she had cancer and you revealed that. But I'm sure more pressing on her heart was her daughter. He didn't want to see her cool off. He didn't want, she didn't want to see her lose her first love, Lord. Oh, God, and you came on the scene. Amen. And you blessed her, oh, God. Amen. We love you, Lord. Lord, we have loved ones. We don't want to see them cool off. If they have cooled off, we want to see them come back, oh God. We believe you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. There might be daughters, there might be sons, there might be loved ones, whatever it is, Lord. We just want to let you know we love you and we believe you. We believe you're running after us. We believe you have everything in control. We believe your word is true. And Lord, that it has quickened us to the full inheritance in this hour. Lord, we love you. We just want to commit ourselves afresh to you on this Wednesday night, Lord. We want to say that from the bottom of our hearts, Lord, we love you. Let every distraction of Egypt fall by the wayside. Let every distraction of possessing the land fall by the wayside. Lord, you have come to give us full possession. You have taken the book. You have, you have redeemed it that we might have our full inheritance. And Lord, we believe you. That's our place in your economy. And so, Lord, take the word tonight as... May be scattered as it was. May you just take it and anchor it into the people's hearts, Lord. Lord, I thank you that it's not based upon the teacher's ability to teach, but it's based upon the Holy Spirit power to quicken it and reveal it in every life. And Lord, we commit it into your hands and ask now you just go with each one. May you bless each one. May your word strengthen each one, Lord. May the power of your resurrection be evident in each and every life, we pray. We give ourselves unreservedly to you. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Be flat, please. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord there is not like you. All of my days
1: I want
4: To the promise that we have in Him. In these last days. What a promise. What a message. What a mighty move of God. Oh Lord we could sing all night. We could rejoice all night. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father we thank you. We love you. Let that never be removed from the center of our relationship with you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for your word. We commit ourselves to you now as we go our way. We just pray you go with us. Be in our thoughts as we lay our head to rest. Be in our thoughts as we wake up in the morning, Lord. We commit all things into your hands for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Turn around and shake hands with one another. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.